Good morning again, Frontline. How are you? Hey, would you do me a favor? Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, boy, you look good. Go ahead. Man. Wow, you look fantastic. Now, if you happen to be sitting next to your spouse, and if you're, the, if you're the male, if you'll do that a little bit more often, it will really go well for you later on. I'm just trying to help you. Okay? Um, and, you know, I, so often we go through life in the, the routine of life and we don't get encouraged very often. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, wow, you are awesome. Just go ahead. Just turn to your neighbor and say, wow, you are so stinking awesome. You are so stinking awesome. You are good. I feel really bad for you that you have to do this this morning. I really do. Because I'm the guy that should be on Ritalin and is not. And I would never want to have to interpret for me. That, I'm just saying. Um, well, I, you know, I, I don't mean this weird, but it's kind of the, the mutual admiration society between Pastor Brian and myself. I just absolutely adore, love, uh, just really appreciate your pastor, Pastor Brian. I mean, it's just awesome. He and Carrie are just incredible people. And uh, I don't mind saying it. I kind of get to choose who uh, the assistant district superintendent is going to be. And he's been in that capacity for five or six years now just because he does such a stinking great job. And you need to know there are 60 plus churches in this West Michigan area and uh, I, I just have to know, your, your pastor has an incredible reputation among all those pastors, is really well respected, is really well loved. And you know that already, but I just want you to know, sometimes when you're in a scene, you don't know, okay, how good is he really? Well, he is amazing. Uh, and he is loved and adored by a bunch of people. But here's the thing. Not only Pastor Brian and Carrie, not only are, are they incredible people, but they have set a culture here that is just so cool. And, and, and quite frankly, they've attracted so many awesome leaders. And I was just thinking again this week about the people that I was going to be able to hang out with today, uh, both you, and I'm going to get to that in just a second, and the staff. And let me talk about you first, and that is so many of you serve in different capacities here. You serve in the children's ministry, you serve in the youth ministry, you serve um, in you know, security ministry, all that kind of stuff, safety ministry, all that, uh, audiovisual, the worship team, all that kind of stuff. If you serve around here, can I just say a thank you to you for all the different ways that you serve? And because you make Frontline what Frontline is. Frontline would close up its doors tomorrow if it wasn't for the awesome volunteers that are here. So can we just thank the volunteers that are part of Frontline? what they do week in and week out. And those volunteers are equipped and empowered and led by this, again, this incredible staff. And uh, sitting in the back right now is the guy that I have grown to know and love over the last seven plus years, a guy by the name of Bill Abrahamson, who makes all this place just look incredible, along with Diane Toth. I mean, the two of them just do incredible work and what servants' attitudes and hearts they have. And hang on, I'm gonna keep going. Amanda in the children's ministry, Lori, who was here in the first service, incredible. Dave Dorner, who's your teaching pastor here. I just think the world of Dave, what a capital L leader he is. Uh, Jesse Heine, missional pastor. Jeff Elzerman, who was, excuse me, Jim Elzerman, who was here in the first service, pastoral care. Blake Hicks, Jessica Johns, Chris Locker, Corey Post, what an amazing job you just did in leading us in worship. Brand Vanderson, your, your youth pastor here, Brad, just is awesome. Um, and then finally, your, your uh, South Campus leaders, John Gorvett, who I've known since he was a year old, literally, and Brendan Enders. Can we just thank these folks who are incredible capital L leaders and who serve us so well week in and week out? I have to tell you, again, so my gig is that I'm in a different church every Sunday, and when I come to a place like Frontline, you know what my thought is? It's really not fair that you guys have so many capital L top leaders in one church. It's just not fair. But I hope that you're grateful for them 
and that every once in a while you just tell them how good they are because I know that they brag to me about how awesome you are, okay? Okay, now, you don't need it, but I need it. So can we pray just uh, another quick prayer and then we'll get into what I think Holy Spirit wants to say to us in the next few moments, okay? Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that we can come alive because of the resurrection power that can live inside of us. Speak to us now, I pray, in Jesus' name, all the things that you want to say into our spirits, into our hearts. We ask this in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. amen. Hey, you all have moments in your life that you will remember till, until you die, right? I mean, it, how many of you remember when you got your driver's license? Those of you who are old enough to have a driver's license, you remember that? Okay. For some of you, it was actually when you got your horse license because it was uh, horse and buggy days. I'm kidding. I'm just having fun. Um, how, so you remember that. How many of you got the acceptance letter from a college that you really wanted to get into and you remember that day? Okay. How many of you are married uh, and you remember the day that you got married? Okay. I hope you remember that day. I know it's the day after St. Patrick's Day, but I hope you're sober enough to remember your, your wedding day. Okay. I'm just trying to help. Okay. Um, for some of you, you might remember the day you had your first child. I certainly remember the day that we adopted our two girls. Um, and what an incredible special day that was. And that's actually them up there in the top left-hand corner. I re yeah, one, two, three. Aww. Praise God, they look like their mom, my, my wife, who I made way, way over my head and not me. Praise God for that. Hey, do you remember the day that, if you have, do you remember the day that you opened up your life to a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you're, as I've already been said, if you're brand new here to Frontline, we want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel at home and welcome. And, but if you've, if you've been attending here for a while, you've been hanging out here for a while, then perhaps if you open up your heart to a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you just need to, to probably remember that moment. And you probably do where, wow, God's word just came alive for me. And, and you gotta know too, if you're you know, around here for the first time, like if this is your first or second or third time here at Frontline, you need to know that amazing things are happening at this church. Really, really good things. I, I bragged about this in the first service. I don't know how many of you realize it, but the guy who was playing the piano this morning, what an awesome piano player. He has keyboards just off the charts. He actually showed up at Frontline over, over Christmas. He just showed up here to deliver a piano. And he ended up getting so amazed at what was going on here, came back for a service, then he got baptized, and now he's playing piano on Sunday mornings as a Christ follower uh, right here at Frontline. Isn't that amazing? And, and, and I, hope, I hope what that makes you feel is that this is a place where I can just come and, and watch what Jesus wants to do in my life and open up to all that he has for me. So we all have highlight reels. Again, the day that we had our first child or the day we got married or the day we got our driver's license. Or we all have our highlight reels. But we also have days that we just as soon forget. Like maybe a day when you got fired. I'm a pastor and I've been fired from two different churches. True story. Okay? Or, or the, day that, the day that you backed into your boss's car. And I've done that. <laughs> okay? I'm not proud of it, but, but I've done it. Um, you know, th those times when you just did something that you just wish could be forgotten. That, that time when you said, so if you're married, that time when you said something or did something to your spouse that you really wish. I don't know, have you ever had that moment when you wish you could just push the rewind button for about 12 seconds and take those words back into your mouth? How many of, how many of you have ever had one moment in your life that's not a highlight reel, it's actually a low light reel and you wish that you could just take back something that you've done at least once in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, 
The rest of you who don't have your hands raised right now, you're lying and you're in church. I'm just saying. Okay? Because we all have those moments, right? We all have those moments. And, and we're in this series right now called 24 Hours, which is the 24 hours of Jesus' life just before he goes to the cross. And we're looking at different people in that different context, different people in that 24-hour drama, if you will, that actually took place. And we're looking at what are the lessons we can learn from them? What are the things that we can learn? And my prayer is, is that there are some things that we're going to learn in the next few minutes that actually are very applicable to your life right where you live right now. Now, I need to set it up for just a moment. I'm going to use a boatload of scripture for the next seven or eight minutes. Please don't let me lose you, okay? I'm gonna, lose, I'm gonna use a boatload of scripture and it's gonna set the stage for what I think Holy Spirit wants to say to us in the next few minutes. So we're gonna start over here. This is scene one and all the scripture's gonna be up on there. So you can look at the screen or listen to me, either one. Here we go, Matthew 16, scene one. Jesus and his disciples were together. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the guys, hey, disciples, who do people say that I am, the son of man? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus said? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, he's always the first to speak up. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. Jesus, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, I'm gonna give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a scene from Peter's highlight reel, if you will. This is a season, this is a scene when Peter got it right. When like, you know, the, the teacher's asking, hey, does anyone know the answer in algebra or whatever? And Pete raises his hand and says, I know, I know the answer. And he got it right. That was a scene from Pete's highlight reel. But not every one of Pete's reels are highlight reels. I want to go to scene two now. And this is the night just before Jesus was crucified. Now, according to Matthew's account, they've just finished dinner and they're walking out to this garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. So here's this conversation that begins to unfold. Jesus told them, hey guys, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, hey, even if all the rest of these blokes and doughheads fall away on account of you, I never will. You know what, Pete? Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you're actually gonna disown me three times. But Peter declared, hey, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. Then all the other disciples said the same. Scene 2A, just a few hours later. Jesus is arrested now, and he's about to live through two different trials. This is the first trial that he lives through. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him. Hey, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But Pete denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out to the gateway to get away from her, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, hey, this fellow, I recognize him. He was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again, but this time with an oath. I don't know that man. 
And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't even know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Pete went outside and wept bitterly. So you go in scene one to a highlight reel to scene two that's a low light reel. Obviously, this moment in Peter's life is a moment that he would just as soon forget. A moment when he wished he could have a redo. October 31st, 2017, just a few months ago, I was in an automobile accident that was 100% my fault. Nobody else's fault, 100% my fault. I did about $250 damage to the car in front of me. I did $6,250 damage to my car, true story. Now, what I wish is I wish that the Holy Spirit would have spoken into my spirit and said, hey, Chris, you're gonna get in an accident today. Could you just wake up and, and, and not be an idiot? What I really wish is that Holy Spirit would every once in a while just speak into my spirit and say, now, Chris, at four o'clock this afternoon, you and your awesome wife, Mary, are gonna be having this conversation and you're gonna be tempted to say something. And Chris, if you say it, you're an idiot and it's gonna end up having a fight for the next three hours. Don't you wish, I don't, if you're a husband, don't you wish you could just get those promptings from the Holy Spirit to shut your trap? How many guys in the room would take that chat? Okay, thank you very much, right? See, Pete gets told, hey, Pete, in the next few hours, you're gonna disown me. I mean, it's one thing to blow it. It's another thing if you get told in advance, you're gonna blow it and still blow it, right? He felt like a total failure. He had denied his best friend, his very best friend in all the world, the one who had called him out to walk on water, the one who was so powerful he was able to walk on water through Jesus' help. He denied that guy. So, fast forward three days. Scene three. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, hey, guys, peace be with you. And after Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now at this point in scene three, Peter ought to be ecstatic. Jesus is risen, woohoo! But Peter is still dealing with the shame and the guilt of what happened in scene number two. How do I know that? How do I know that he hasn't forgiven himself? Because go to scene four. This is a couple of days after he saw Jesus resurrected body. Scene four, Simon Peter, and then some other guys, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples were together. And Pete says, I'm gonna go out and fish. And they said, well, I guess we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, if you don't know the answer to this question, don't feel guilty at all, don't feel bad. Maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to Frontline. That's totally cool. We want you to feel welcome at home here. But if you happen to know the answer to this question, I want you to answer it, okay? What did Peter do prior to becoming a disciple of Jesus? What did he do for a living? He was a? He was a what? Okay, so he's a fisherman. Now, what is he doing here? He's fishing. 
okay? Why? He goes back to his old job. Why? Because he had a season in his life that lasted about three years when he thought that maybe his life was going to have meaning and purpose, that he was going to do amazing things with the person of Jesus. But then in scene two of his life, he blew it. And because he blew it, he felt like his life of meaning and purpose was over. He'd had an encounter with Jesus Christ, but he had blown it after that. And because of that, he was going back fishing. He was going back to his old life. He was going back to say, my life at this point is now over when it comes to actually meaning and purpose. And some of you, you have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and Jesus has transformed you, but you've gone back to some of your old ways now. And because of that, you feel so filled with shame, so filled with guilt, so so filled with regret that now you are going back to your old ways when Jesus still has so much for you. Ah, scene five. Scene five, fast forward again. This is about six weeks down the road from when Peter went fishing. Six weeks later, it's called the day of Pentecost, 50 days after when Jesus was crucified, Okay? So here's what it is. Bunch of people in the city of Jerusalem, they're all, they heard this noise. They've heard a noise. And so they've all, you know, I don't mean this weird. We don't live in the kind of society that they lived in. We hear noise all the time. But they heard this loud, loud noise. And they all come rushing. People from all over the city come rushing to where the disciples are hanging out. And here's, here's what happens. Peter gets up and he begins to address the crowd. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. In other words, Peter's saying, hey, you guys knew Jesus. He was constantly performing these miracles. You know that about him. And you know that he was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. <laughs> but God, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. We just got done singing about that. And now God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, oh my goodness, brothers, what shall we do? And you know, it's like, oh my goodness, yeah, we killed, yeah, he was crucified five weeks ago. Yes, we remember that. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with, oh, won't you please save yourself from this corrupt generation? And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added. How many were added? How many? 3,000 were added to the number that day. Now, when you read the scenes in order like that, you go from Peter being a model student to Peter majorly blowing it to Peter now going back to fishing. And now at this scene, it's like he's proclaiming boldly, yes, Jesus is who he said he was. Well, wait, wait. What, ha what happened between the time when Pete was fishing because he thought he had no more destiny in his life to now Peter's boldly proclaiming? What? That just doesn't fit. What happened there? Well, if you don't mind, let me go back to this moment because here's the deal. Some of you right now, 
you're walking through life with guilt. You're walking through life with shame. You're walking through life with regret. And you're not allowing God to do amazing things. And your life, instead of being the highlight reel, like we see in that scene from Pete, where he's being used by God to impact people all around him, you shrink back from those moments. And the reason you do is because you don't feel like you're perfect. Because you feel like you've blown it in some way, shape, or form. So what happens there? Well, let me show you, if you will, scene 4A. is what I call it. This is right after Peter's gone fishing. And again, if you look at it, it's the exact same passage we just read together. So, so Simon, Peter, and a bunch of these guys go out fishing. And early in the morning, so they fish all night long. So they go out fishing. Again, they were fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They spent all night fishing. Obviously, if you're a fisherman, you've got to be successful. They knew how to catch fish, but they've spent all night long and they've caught nothing. So early in the morning, Jesus stood there on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was him. So he calls out to them, hey, friends, have you caught any fish? I don't mean this weird. If you spend the whole night out fishing and you're fishermen and you haven't caught any fish and someone from the shore says, hey, did you catch any fish? No. Right? I mean, it's just kind of like, uh, no. And then listen to what Jesus said. This is so funny. Hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. It's like, like right. Okay, so I'm going to take my fishing pole. I'm going to put it on the other side of the boat and whammo, there's going to be a lot of fish, right? But when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish that they caught. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was just the disciple John, John said to Peter, hey, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. He just starts swimming towards Jesus. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, just about hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning, uh, fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And then Jesus said, hey, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And when they'd finished eating their breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these fish? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. You know what Jesus is doing there? He's reinstating Peter. He's saying to Pete, Pete, I know that you think that your life cannot amount to anything. I know that you feel that in that third scene when you denied me three times that you feel like that's the end of the story. But Peter, I want you to know that's not the end of your story. I've got things for you, Peter. I've got things that I want to do in and through you, Peter. Don't allow that one event, don't allow that season in your life, Peter. Don't allow that to define you. And I don't mean this weird, but there are men and women this morning, I'm absolutely convinced, and you're sitting in these beautiful, comfortable brown chairs, and you're allowing some past event in your life to define who you are and define what God wants to do in your life. And Holy Spirit desperately wants to say to you through this guy who should be on Ritalin and is not, please don't let some past failure to define what God can and can't do in your life because we serve a resurrected God who can turn destinies around. Amen. Praise be to God for that. We serve a God who comes to Pete and says, Pete, I know, I know what you did. And there's this wonderful, beautiful encounter 
that some of you need to have with Jesus where you just get alone with him and you allow him to say to you, maybe with the help of a Christian counselor, but maybe just one-on-one, I don't care. But the point is, is that you need to hear Holy Spirit whisper to you the words of Jesus to just say, man, I don't condemn you. I love you. A woman, and, and someone said this. Matter of fact, someone said it to us at a retreat not long ago that Pastor Brian and a bunch of us were at. When, uh, Jesus says to this naked woman who was brought to him because she was caught in the act of adultery, and he looks at her and he says, look, all the people that were condemn you, who were going to condemn you, gone? And you can imagine the shame that she must have felt in that moment. Here she is in a group of people, naked, and she's trying to hide. And Jesus looks at her and says, look, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. You were caught in the very act of committing adultery. And these jerks weren't even decent enough to bring the guy along. They just brought you to intensity, to just intensify your shame and your guilt. But I'm telling you right now, I don't condemn you. Go and walk in the freedom that I have for you. Walk in that. Don't walk in the shame and the guilt anymore. And Jesus desperately wants to say to some people in this room today, would you stop allowing some past defeat to define you, but walk into all that he has for you. Allow the 24 hours of Jesus's life to set you free. So the first thing that happened in Peter's life, what changed him from this guy that went back fishing to a guy that's now bold, and I wish I had time, I don't, I wish I had time to go to Acts chapter four because in Acts chapter four of the New Testament of the Bible, there's this incredible scene where the very men who condemned Jesus to die in Acts four, look at Pete and say, if you don't shut up, we're gonna end your life. And Peter looks right back at them and says, you can say whatever you want, you can threaten me whatever you want, I'm gonna boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Again, what happened there? Wait, 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 you were the scaredy cat that couldn't stand up to some, some teenage girls back here, and now you're boldly declaring to the same guys that put Jesus to death. You guys can do with me whatever you want. I am boldly proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. How does that happen? Two ways. Number one, Jesus instated him. Number two, that sound, that huge sound that caused everyone to start running towards the place in Jerusalem, that was the Holy Spirit being unleashed on Peter's lives and the lives of those who were with him. When the day, this is literally what it says, Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit was poured out onto Peter's life just as it is now poured out on the lives of serious Christ followers today. There's a power that's available to you and I to live into. And some of us, I don't know, there are some people in this room, can I just say, there are some people in this room that are car people and non-car people. So if you don't mind for me, I know, I I just kind of switched gears. Don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry, this is going somewhere. Where are my car people in the room? Who Who are the people that like cars? Okay, thank you. Raise your hand high, don't be ashamed. Okay, now, if I could get away with driving any car I wanted to in the world, it would be a BMW. I can't get away with driving that kind of car just because people would talk all the time, okay? But I want you to imagine for just a second a BMW, a beautiful BMW with no engine in it. There you go, there's a picture of one, okay? All this potential of a great car with no engine in it. Okay, why am I showing you that picture? Because... If you have invited Jesus Christ into your life, 
If you've asked him to forgive you of your sins and make you a new person and are not living under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit, you're like a BMW on the outside with no engine. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with his power and his strength so you can walk into every situation that you will walk in starting this afternoon and including tomorrow morning as you go back to school, as you go back to work, as you go back to your life, whatever you do Monday through Friday. And God wants to use you in a powerful way and he wants to fill you with his spirit and he wants to do amazing things. The reason why Pete could get up and boldly proclaim to people in Acts chapter two what Jesus had actually done, the reason why in Acts chapter four he could stand up to the very men who killed Jesus is because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He had first of all been set free from the past condemnation that he was walking around with, and then he'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you wonder, okay, Chris, that's great, but that happened 2,000 years ago. Can I give you two fresh examples? One of us, not super fresh, but the other one is. So here we go. Let me take you back. Some of you are not old enough to know this, but there used to be a president by the name of Richard Nixon, and in his cabinet was a guy by the name of Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson ended up going to prison for obstruction of justice over the whole Watergate issue. But in between the time when he obstructed justice and when he actually went to prison for it, a short few months there, someone introduced him to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he went into prison a different man than the person who had obstructed justice. And when he got to prison, this is literally what happened. He recognized, he, he, he took a Bible with him. He, he took a Bible with him into prison. And what happened is, you see, all of it, he recognized this is a place where there's no hope. He spent seven months in a federal prison for obstructing justice. When he got out of prison, he said, we need to start a ministry for people that are in prison. And he started this ministry called Prison Fellowship. And today, tens of thousands of men and women have found hope in Jesus Christ in prison, have been absolutely transformed in prison through prison fellowship. Now, what's the point? The point is, is that he, could have, he was disbarred for obstructing justice. He could have taken that, which was obviously not a highlight reel, that's a low light reel in his life. He could have been filled with shame and gotten to the little hole and say, my life has no more meaning, no more purpose. I've now been in federal prison for seven months. He could have taken that in and just felt like a shame-filled man through it at the height of his career, but instead he allowed the Holy Spirit to say, I wanna take the very thing that would tend to fill your life with shame and I wanna use it now to transform tens of thousands of men and women's lives. Her name is Christine Kane. One of the most amazing women on the face of the planet today, in my opinion. What I love about Christine Kane, one of the things is that she looks so young and I'm the exact age as her. Now, she dyes her hair a lot more than I do, but still. Christian Kane is this awesome woman of God. And if you've never watched or listened to a V-cast of hers or a message of hers, you think I'm on rhythm, man. She makes me look like I am a sloth, is what she makes me look like. She talks so fast. But here's the thing about Christine. I don't know, if you, I don't know how much you know about her life. There's a great magazine cover that I wanted you to see of Christine, which is how, it just talks about how she went from abuse but not defeated. If you know anything about Christine, matter of fact, here, let me just show you. I'll show you up on the screen. There's this great, great truth. This is her talking. I, Christine, I was sexually abused by four different men in my life at a very young age, over a 12-year period. I tried to tell somebody that could have intervened, but 40 years ago here in Australia, that, the word abuse just didn't even exist. 
Nobody talked about that stuff. You walked in the shame of it and you buried it. And then she went on. When you're first abused, you're filled with shame about what is happening to you. When it happens over a long period of time, you then begin to think it's happening because of who you are. So I grew up feeling a lot of rejection, a lot of shame, insecurity, fear, and anger. But today, today Christine Kane is a pastor, an evangelist, and an international speaker. In 2008, she and her husband Nick founded the A21 campaign, which is an organization that fights human trafficking. And they now have 10 offices in nine countries five victim aftercare programs, and they have reached over a million people through their awareness program. Now, how do you explain a, a young woman filled with all kinds of shame, sexually abused over a 12-year period by four different guys, how do you explain that woman going from that and all the shame that she was carrying around into a woman that's now being powerfully used by the Holy Spirit all over the globe. I tell you how you explain it. You explain it because she had a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ, just like Peter did, where Jesus said, let me just help you here, Christine. That abuse does not define you. That abuse that you went through does not define you. Matter of fact, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna redeem it and I'm gonna use it for my glory. It wasn't your fault, Christine, but I can take that and I can use it for my glory and watch what I'm allowed to do if you'll let me. So she has this powerful encounter with Jesus and then she's filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with a rocket engine inside of her BMW body, if you will. She's filled with that and now she can go out and be used by God to do this amazing work for his kingdom. See, my question for you is this morning, first of all, have you begun a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, then you need to know that God is recklessly in love with you. And I use those words carefully. He loves you immensely more than you could ever imagine. He went to the cross so that he could display his love for you. So he could forgive the sins that have happened in your life, that you've done and that others have done to you. And second of all, if you are a Christ follower, I'm just wondering, are you still walking around with a sense of shame and guilt? Have you allowed Holy Spirit, have you had an encounter with Jesus where he says, I want to break the chains that are on you. I want to break them. And I want you to begin to walk in freedom for all that I have for you. And I, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to, to step back. I want you to step into, because here's the deal, Holy Spirit would say, you have friends and you have neighbors and you have coworkers and you have fellow students and they desperately need to know the hope that you have in me. And so when Pastor Brian gets up a little bit earlier and says, hey, you've got these seat cards and you're gonna say, oh yeah, I got a seat card, but you know what? Maybe Holy Spirit right now is whispering into your spirit and saying, You've got a neighbor, you've got a coworker, you've got a friend, you've got a family member that needs to experience the same freedom that Holy Spirit wants you to experience and that many of you have experienced. And Holy Spirit right now is saying to you, would you please actually give this to someone so that they will come with you on Easter and they can experience the power of the resurrected King. And so I know, I get it. There's just a little advertisement. You sit there and you kind of, you go like that with it if you're not careful. But what if you actually took it and you actually gave it to someone and prayed for them while you did it? Now, you don't have to do it out loud. I mean, you know what? But what if you just inside you prayed? I don't mean this weird, but I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with baristas while they're making my drink. Now, do you think caffeine does this to me? No, no, no. I am caffeine free. Can you imagine what my mother had to put up with? 
right? No, no, I go and I get a hot chocolate. I get a veggie hot chocolate made with skim milk, extra hot light whip, no foam. It's not hard. But then, but then, then I look at the barista and I'll just say, how's your day going? Can I tell you how many times I have prayed a 15-second prayer with a barista at Starbucks all over the country? How's your day going? You know what? My day stinks today. Really? What's going on? My husband's in the hospital. has been in for four days. Doctors don't really know what's going on. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for Jen. I pray that you would give her peace and comfort her. I pray that she would know your presence and your love. Heal her husband, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Can I just tell you, Jen doesn't think I'm a whack job. You know what Jen thinks? That guy actually cares about me. You know how I know that? Because Jen is crying now. Can I tell you how many times I've done that? Why? Because I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ that has radically changed my life. And then I'm empowered by his Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you, Chris Conrad is nothing special. I am absolutely nothing special. I am the third son, and the gene pool of intelligence was done by the time it got to me. Trust me. Brian has met both of my brothers, and he would tell you that they are both infinitely smarter than I am. I am not all that smart, but you know what has happened to me is that I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and he has transformed me from the inside out. And he gets all the praise and the glory for that. But can I tell you, God wants to use you. Christine Kane, God wants to use you in a powerful way. Chuck Colson, God wants to use you in a powerful way. What are the things that you're tempted to be shame-filled about that God wants to know? I want to bring that into the light and release all the stuff I want to do in and through you. The worship team's going to come back, and I just want to pray a closing prayer, if you don't mind, and then they're going to lead us in a song. Thanks for your attention. Thanks for putting up with this hyper guy, okay? Jesus, right now, we just, I just pray right now for the people that are not in relationship with you. Maybe they just assume that you were a God who loved to be angry at people. Maybe they didn't have a concept about a God who rushes in to forgive, who rushes in to show grace, who rushes in to show that we don't have to be defined by a low light reels. Just as you did for Peter, you can do for them. You can forgive them of their sin. The penalty that you paid on the cross for all of our sin is available to them right now in this moment. And I pray that they would just receive it. I pray right now they would just say, God, I may not understand everything, but man, I I wanna know what it means to be in a relationship with you. If you're a God who is reckless in your love for me, I wanna know you. And right now, they begin a relationship with you. God, for others in this room who made that decision a long time ago, perhaps, maybe decades ago, maybe six months ago, I don't know, but they're continuing to walk around with a sense of regret and shame that's limiting all the things that you could do in their life. I pray that they would take time out in the next, even in the next day, in the next 24 hours, maybe later on this afternoon or this evening, that they'd pull themselves away from other people and they just have a quiet moment with you and just as Peter had that moment sitting by that fire with the fish being grilled when you just looked at him and said, hey Pete, I love you. Your life isn't over. 
I know the things that you've done. I know that you denied me. Of course I know that, Pete. I knew it before it happened. I love you, Pete. I've got an amazing destiny for you to live into, Pete. Please don't limit what you allow me to do in your life. And I pray that there be men and women in this room right now that would refuse to limit what they allow you to do in their life. That they would no longer say, oh, I could never do that or I could never do that. And then God, I pray that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. So that this week, as they're back at school, at work, with their neighbors, with their family members, just hanging out, whatever, watching March Madness, whatever they're doing, I pray that you'd give them the boldness to say, hey, what would you think about joining me at Frontline on Easter? Or, hey, can I tell you about this huge difference that Jesus Christ has made in my life? Maybe they just find themselves praying for a barista at Big B or Starbucks or whatever. God, would you just right now fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit to go be who you've called us to be, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name.